Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 120, Meet Sergeant Buttkick. I'm in the penalty box for a full week. That was my first reaction when I found out about Junior's newbie school project and what it meant for my short-term freedom. But I tried to imagine there was a bright side to my confinement. And then I tried to look on that bright side. I called up Bank Springfield hoping I could use him to get some vicarious yucks. He told me about the adventures he and Fonda and some other hot babes were having at the store without me. I mentioned he should tell Bobby I'd give him the remaining 40 bucks of hat money as soon as I could get down there. He knows, Bang said. He knows. He knows you're good for it. I wondered how the fuck Bang knew that. It seriously yanked my plank that Whispers told Bang and who knows who else his side of the Paul owes money affair. And I was still of two minds about kicking in the remaining 40 bucks because that would mean I really did work those extra days for free. Remember? Picking up Big Butt Belinda on day two and showing Skiz how to roll cable? It also groped my stones that Whisper's little tactic, calling me Da Pedusa, had worked. So he'd figured out his shop was the last venue, maybe the last venue, for me and some babe to get our fuck on. Holding that over my head was just a lucky guess. But now he and Parp were getting their cash in full. The guzzle chums. On the other hand, Junior didn't know about the cash exchange between me and Bobby, so she also didn't know I was all in as a producer for Little Round Jewish Hat. I was good with that. It was a long week between appearances at Whisper's shop. I was down there that first time on a Thursday, and I wouldn't be back until the following Thursday. On Monday, I called up Parp to make sure he knew I paid in 16 and was about to pay the remaining 40. And hey, I laughed. Tell Whispers he can stop calling me Dupedusa. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Well, he can stop it now. Long pause. Like he knew I was driving at something, but didn't want to give me the satisfaction of not having to spell it all out. So could you tell him, please? I snapped. Wow. I surprised even myself. I was really steamed. Because it's really cute the way he went out of his way to humiliate me in front of other people. So now I think maybe the least you can do is go out of your way to let him know he can shut the fuck up. Okay, okay, Jesus Christ. We got off the phone, and it wasn't friendly, my friends. It was one of those moments when I remind myself of my dad. and I'm actually shocked I have that in me somewhere. It's like the old man is an alter ego I keep in the back of my head most of the time, but when he feels threatened, he leaps out and kicks ass. After I got off the phone, 
I pushed my glasses up on my nose. It was a defiant gesture. That's right, assholes. Meet Sergeant Buttkick. On Wednesday night, the night before my next trip to the tobacco shop, I casually told Junior about the goings-on at Whispers on 6th. I told her about how Bobby had discovered a tobacco that tastes like cunt, how there was a surprisingly huge market for it, and how I'd helped out while Sarah Beth watched the kids the week before. And she was into it! She thought it was funny! I mean, okay. At first she thought I was kidding, but when I got into the details, she really warmed up to it and started giggling and looking around to make sure the boys were out of earshot. Of course, I had to pretend the real reason I wanted to go back down there was so I could hang with my new and soon-to-be lifelong pal, Bang Springfield. You should hear what he says about Parpon. And you know what his real name is? It's Irv Stricker, hon, etc. That may have been a little too much gushing. I mean, it's a guy, for Christ's sake. But Junior didn't even seem to care about Bang or my motivation for joining the team sling of One for the Road. She thought the novelty of the tobacco that tastes like cunt was all by itself interesting, and I guess the word is novel enough for me to want to be involved. I even started to get the idea that if she didn't have the newbie school slash new context cult to occupy her brain, she might be asking me if she could come along. First, though, like I said, she didn't quite believe me that this whole cuntish tobacco wasn't just something I made up to be entertaining. So I dialed up Monty McDade's website and showed her the photo of Monty with the big pipe in her mouth and the caption describing the genuine taste of snatch that comes from one for the road tobacco. Order now. Two-day delivery. I set them up with this assembly line idea and it's really helping productivity. That part was true. At least a little bit. When I called up Bang to tell him I was coming in with the 40 bucks I owed on hat, he told me he'd taken the factory idea and run with it. Now they were shipping like a machine. And the best part about Interlude Week? The old mirror trim package came out. Remember the Majelco job? The morning I spent holding the gadget in my nose while cameras clicked? I feel like an idiot looking back on it, but when Rick Cutter, my agent, called me up and told me the package was coming out, I was all a flutter. Fuck! Male model chic! Let me tell you, when your face goes mass, it doesn't matter whether you're a soldier in a History Channel commercial or the dad on a package of frozen macaroni and cheese. There's something about being seen by a million strangers that makes chicks want to grab your cock. And not just fat chicks. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side, copyright 2023, by Dan Wrench.